Hello everyone and welcome back to Hope Reclaimed. I am Ellie Hope Collins and I am so glad that you're here. It's on this podcast that we talk about active and practical ways to step into healing because Jesus has already extended everything to us and sometimes he's inviting us to step in and receive that healing for ourselves. We're continuing our series this week on Lessons in the Corner by my husband, Austin Collins. And today's episode is all about forgiveness. It's about how on earth are we supposed to forgive when we have been wronged so much? And his story of forgiveness and the journey that he found in forgiveness is really inspiring and I think is going to resonate with a lot of you. So enjoy this episode. Be encouraged. Let me quickly tell you about one of the most hopeful full of potential times of my life. The middle of April 2015, I graduated college from Concordia in Moorhead, Minnesota. I was so excited. I remember waking up feeling excited, like, what is the next chapter for my life? This is awesome. I'm married. I have an awesome wife. That's check. I have a college degree. Check. I'm going to look for a job. We're going to move. It's going to be awesome. I remember walking across the stage, getting my diploma, being met by my wife. It was a great day. I was so hopeful for for what the Lord had for me. It was like the sun was rising uh, on my life is how it felt. The the pieces were falling into place for me. One of the most hopeful times of my life. life. Uh, Two weeks later, in the same sort of spirit, I remember waking up and deciding to switch up my morning routine. And uh, I went outside in the same kind of feeling. Um, the sun was rising. It was like, I don't know, it was like 7, 7 a.m. maybe. But it was like super warm out. The sun was just shining on me. I, I take my lawn chair out, sitting on this small patch of grass outside of the fourplex that I lived in. And I'm just like soaking it in man, my my future is ahead of me. This is a beautiful day. The sky is so blue. The birds are chirping. Life is so good. Thank you, God. I just remember thanking God for where I was. And I decided to ask the Lord this question. God, do you have anything to say to me? So this was me switching up my morning routine. Generally, I was pretty strict. I I read chapter. I prayed this thing, and then I went on with my day. But this day I changed things up, like I said, went outside, asked the question, God, do you have anything to say to me? And he responded, and and the way he responded altered the course of my life without exaggeration, changed my life entirely. What is up, everybody? This is Lessons in the Corner podcast series that I started uh, pretty recently. This is the third episode. I'm super excited for this one. This one is really, really, I mean, the last one is super near and dear to my heart. This one, all the more. Just want to thank you guys for joining. Um, fun fact, I just had mint tea and I couldn't taste or smell any of it because I have COVID. So that's something that's happening right now. So Ellie and I are, are isolating, which is super fun. Uh, I took two negative tests. She had COVID first for a week. I didn't get it till like a full week later. I don't understand. Two negative tests. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm immune. Week later, I'm showing up with all the symptoms. So here I am, um, tasteless 
and without smell speaking to you. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, back to the story. I'm, I'm excited to tell you guys just the way that the Lord stepped in at this time and gave me, after I graduated, within two weeks, the most timely word, I think really, truly the most timely word I've ever received. And I've received many, many timely words. So I'm sitting outside. It's a beautiful day. Hope is everywhere. Opportunity is everywhere. Potential is everywhere. I'm living it up, right? God, what do you have to say to me? Do you have anything to say to me, God? And just a thought, just a thought pops into my head. It doesn't feel like me. I wasn't thinking anything. I was just enjoying where I was. And a small little whisper of a thought comes in, which I believe is God. And I know it's God, especially given what happens later on. And he says, Hosea 2. And I didn't, I didn't actually know what that was, to be honest. I knew Hosea was a book in the Bible. Um, I, I knew it was in the Old Testament, but I really didn't know that much of, of what it was about. So I was like, okay, sure. So I open up my Bible. Hosea 2. Can't remember the last time I read this chapter. I start reading it. And it's like the words came off the page. And this story is lived out in front of me for like 45 minutes as I'm outside. And the Lord impacts my heart in, in, in one of the most powerful and timely ways. So the first half of the chapter is about God really just expressing his emotions. He's talking about Israel, his bride, his wife, who, who is married to. And she is running after everything else. She's pursuing other lovers is the language. And there's like the, the metaphor is harlotry. She's, 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 she's being a harlot. She's running after other things outside of God. And God, as a husband, is heartbroken. And he's like, Israel, like, I gave you that gold and silver that you're now making and shaping to be other gods that you're worshiping. Like, I'm the one who gave you that. Don't you remember me? And in the last, and so the first half of the chapter is just describing God's emotions and how he's feeling and, 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 and a description of, of what Israel is doing at the time. And there's a phrase at the end that says that Israel was pursuing her lover so that she forgot God. God said, you, you've pursued all these things to a point where you have forgotten me, your, your first love, your husband. You forgot your husband. And as I'm reading this, my, as I'm reading this, um, I'm, I'm just seeing myself. I'm seeing the ways that I have not been pursuing God. I've been saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. I love God. You know, first commandment, love God with all your heart. Yeah. And I've been seeing just my life laid out in front of me. It's like, it's like all my intentions and motivations and actions for the previous like years were all of a sudden just laid out in front of me, bare, exposed. And, and my desires throughout the past several years weren't for God. They were for so many other things. So many times I would much rather be with my wife than God. I would rather go to, go to work and be with my residents in the nursing home more than God. So many things that are good 
and not bad, not evil, but I desired more than God. And I begin to see the severity of my sin. I begin to see just the severity of what it is to wrong God. God, the one who, who made everything. God isn't a fictional character. He's a person. He's the creator of the world, the king of kings. And I wronged him. Like, I missed it. I have, God, I have not been wanting you the way that I should. I haven't been desiring you the way that I should. I say I'm a Christian and don't really love you that much. It's kind of like Hosea 2 is kind of like Jeremiah 2. There, there's some really cool parallels. Jeremiah 2 um, says something like this. Here's a couple of verses for you. It says, I remember you. This is God talking. I remember you concerning the devotion of your youth, the love of your betrothals. You're following me in the wilderness. What injustice did your fathers find in me that they went far from me? My people have forsaken me. So God is describing, like, just imagine this young couple in love, God and his bride. And then over time, his bride just decides to pursue other things. And not quietly, but openly pursuing other things to the point where she's forgetting God. She forsakes God. This is me. I'm seeing myself. I remember journaling, I journaled that, I journaled that day, or I journaled around that time, um, like, like sin is like me desiring other things more than God, loving other things more than God. It's like if I cheated on my wife, that was, that's the metaphor. If I went out and I cheated on my wife, I'm married, and then the next day I go out and openly cheat, sleep with someone else. That's the offense that is the offense that, that, that God is describing. And so I'm just seeing my, I'm seeing myself um, in the text. And halfway through, he says, therefore. And this is, the, the therefores that God has spoken to me have been some of the most powerful words in my life. So he says, therefore. And as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he's going to kill everybody. He's going he's gonna to send a plague. He's going to send lightning. I don't know what's going to happen, but Israel is dead. That's what's going to happen next. And I'm dead right now, right here in the lawn. He's, he's going to send lightning down and, and kill me too, because this is me. I've, I've missed it, God. Forgive me. I have not been living for you. Forgive me. And I remember being actually scared that he was going to like, 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 like cast judgment on me in that moment. And he says, therefore... Let me read to you what he says next. He says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her, bring her into the wilderness, and speak kindly to her. Then I will give her her vineyards from there, and the valley of weeping and sorrow as a door of hope. And she will sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. It will come about in that day, declares the Lord, that you call me husband, and no longer call me master. In essence, God is saying, in essence, God is saying, you're not going to call me master anymore. You're going to call me husband, someone who pursues you and loves you to a point where you're not even going to be able to think about these things that you've been pursuing and running after. And so this response that I'm expecting, judgment and condemnation, death, I get the exact opposite response. I get a God who pursues me in my sin, 
in my weaknesses, in my faults, and actually comes down and serves me and loves me and pursues me and courts me. It's like he starts dating me again. That's what he did with Israel. He started dating Israel again. And this story, you know, initially was very impactful. It, it showed me the severity of my sin. And it gave me a glimpse of the way that God really loves his people. But this word was one of the most timely words I've ever received because it was only within a couple weeks that my wife, like I previously described in the first episode, ended up leaving. I ended up being in a a half-empty apartment by myself. And a few weeks after that, a month or two, I find out that she's cheating on me. And I actually end up living out this story that God gave me only a couple weeks before it all happened, which just is is mind-blowing to me. And this is why I say it was probably the most timely word I've ever received. I get this story of God being cheated on and his heart being broken. And Israel doesn't even see how offensive it is. And she's running around after everything else. And God is like, don't you see? You've forgotten me. Little did I know, these were the words that I was going to be saying only a few weeks later. And so this story has so impacted me, not only initially what the Lord did, but over the course of the coming weeks, as I find myself in the corner, in the place that is dark and unexpected, I end up living out this story. And that's how I feel in the corner. I feel forgotten. I feel forsaken. I'm like, wife, don't, don't you see what you're doing? You've forgotten me. <laughs> like, what? Well, can't you see how offensive this is? And as I'm sitting there in the corner, mulling it over, over the course of days, weeks, maybe a couple months, anger sort of begins to come up in me more frequently. And I remember one day particularly, I was working in the nursing home. I was caring for my lovely old people. Um, and I remember being so angry I, I, I couldn't even see the person in front of me. I was just seeing how offensive what my wife was doing is. I'm, I'm thinking like, I'm, okay, I'm caring for these old people, right? And in my head, the thoughts are saying, my wife is sleeping with someone else right now. My wife, who made vows in front of my family, in front of her family, is sleeping with someone else. And I live by myself in a half-empty apartment, and I'm just taking it. I'm not sleeping with anyone else. I'm not going out and, and, and just lose, you know, getting drunk or, or whatever. I'm just sitting here and taking it, and she's out partying, doing these things, living it up. And I'm just so angry. I remember I had to take, on my break, um, my half-hour break, I went, up, I went outside and again, it was, a, it was a gorgeous day. I remember how beautiful the sky was. And I sat down on this bench and I was like, God, I, 
I can't, I can't do this. I cannot be this angry and care for these people who are depending on me. Like I can't, I can't be this angry. I have to care for people. Help me, God. And I remember he's just, just being so angry. And in that moment, I'm seeing again, just the actions of my wife. She's sleeping with this person. She's, she's not, she's forgotten me. That's for sure. And as I'm seeing in her mind, seeing her in my mind, doing all these things, it was like I replaced her in my mind. Instead of her, I'm seeing me. And I'm the one cheating. And I'm the one running around doing these things, forgetting about my spouse. Except in, except in my mind, God is my spouse. And so instead of her, I'm seeing myself doing those same things to God. And in that moment, I'm seeing him intentionally choose to run from his throne to the earth, to wash my feet, to pursue me, to court me, to date me in this offense and love me and care for me and nurture me. And that was the Lord's response to me in my sin. Man, never, I can tell you, out of everybody in my life, and I have some pretty cool people in my life, no one has met me in my sin like God has. Nobody has been present with me in, in my worst, worst days when, man, I just, you know, talk about sin, like, I, I messed up. I missed it. No one has met me in my mess like God has. And that's what I'm seeing as I'm praying there. I'm seeing the way God has met me in my mess. I'm seeing the way that he has pursued me despite the severity of my sin. And I'm just left on this bench saying, what can I say, God? What can I say? How can I not forgive her? And I honestly felt like, you know, what, what I was, had done to God was worse than what she was doing to me because this is God. It's the same thing. It's a marriage. It's a covenant. But I sinned against God, the one who made all this, this beautiful sky. He made it. And yet he has pursued me in my sin. And from that day forward, anger was less of an issue for me. I absolutely still dealt with it, uh, mostly with uh, in regards to the guy she was sleeping with, just anger against him. But in the same way, the Lord would show me the way that he has pursued me in my offense so that I really saw a model of how to live out forgiveness. So with that, I want to make a couple, I want to take a couple points, a couple takeaways from, from this. One, we must come to know the depths of our depravity in order to see the depths of God's love. We have to come to know the depths of our depravity if we really want to see the way God loves us. See, if I just sinned in a minor way and then someone forgave me, I'm like, oh, you know, thank you. It's really not a big deal. But when I saw how severe 
my sin was, like in Hosea 2, where it was like me cheating on God, committing spiritual harlotry, sleeping with other th- other things, other people, loving other things more. I began to see how great God really loved me to pursue me in that. And so the greater revelation we have of our sin, the greater revelation we can have of God's love for us. That's point number one, takeaway number one. Number two, here's a weird thing. Think about this. If you do something wrong, you might not feel like you did something wrong. That's a weird observation. It's true. We've all done it. We've all done things wrong and haven't really felt like it was wrong. We know it's wrong, but we haven't felt it. Sometimes we do things wrong and we don't even know it. That That's crazy. So, so before Hosea 2 for me, I was, I was unaware, right? I'm, I'm, I'm walking around. I'm pursuing other things. My heart isn't for God. I'm pursuing, you know, this or that, this sin or that sin or this pleasure or that pleasure. Unaware. My feelings aren't telling me. I mean, we've, we've, we've seen those people who have done something wrong and have taken it lately. Like, just did something really offensive, and they're just, like, making fun of it. Or like, oh, it's not a big deal. Where their feelings aren't really lining up with the severity of what's going on. And so that means that we can't look to our feelings to tell us right from wrong. And that means we need to teach our feelings right from wrong. And we actually need to go to Scripture, which is what really the Lord did for me. To really learn what right and wrong is, because we, because our feelings might not always add up. That was something that I learned after Hosea two, and ever since, even to today, I am so much more keenly aware of my affections and what I'm desiring. What do I want? What do I want right now? Do I want? Do I want this pleasure? Do I want God? Do I want this or that more than this other thing? I'm, I'm, I'm so much more aware, thank God, because of that revelation of my desires and that they matter. So desires matter. You know, Jesus raised the moral standard from just action to desire. He said, if you, if you look at a woman in lust, you've committed adultery. If you desire it, you've committed it. And so the Lord may be so much more just just keenly aware of what I'm desiring. And so desire matters. Here's another point. If we are to walk in forgiveness, here's point number three. If we are to walk in forgiveness, simply we need to become aware of the way that we've been forgiven. I had a hard time forgiving my wife before the Lord showed me that he forgave me. Let me, let me read to you uh, a really good parable, I think, that illustrates some of this. So I'm reading, I'm reading right out of Matthew 18. It says, Then Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, how often, shall I for, how, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slave. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to pay, 
His Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a, a hundred denarii, which is uh, s- significantly less than his debt, of course. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his, slave fell, so his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you do not forgive his brother from your heart. What a heavy ending. Here's a, here's a question that I have. Why didn't the man forgive his fellow slave? He was forgiven so much, and yet he turned around, and, and, he, and he didn't forgive someone who owed him so significantly less. Why didn't he forgive him? I think one answer is he took the way he was forgiven too lightly and he took too seriously the way that someone else wronged him. So he took too lightly the way he was forgiven of his great debt and he took too seriously the way someone else wronged him. I mean, when we read this story, the inconsistency is apparent. Jesus paints the inconsistency pretty, pretty Uh, pretty clearly. Okay, he was forgiven, and now he's not going to forgive? That's crazy. This guy's nuts. And yet, so often, this is us. We are no different than this guy. This was me, right? I was having a hard time forgiving. And the inconsistency wasn't so apparent to me. And I don't think it was apparent to the guy either. Because he took the way he was forgiven too lightly and the wrong that had been committed to him too seriously. Now granted, the wrong, the way I was offended and wronged was very serious. I don't want to overlook that. If if anyone is really going through it, if, if your spouse has cheated on you, that is offense worthy of anger. But at the same time, we, we need to come to recognize the great way that our God has come and forgiven us and redeemed us from sin and removed it from us and pursued us in the mess. If someone has wronged you, you're actually in the foremost position to love them. That's something that the Lord showed me in that time. I'm just saying, man, like, what can I say, God? You, you forgave me. What can I even say? And the Lord showed me, if there's no one else in the world who is in a better place right now than me to show my wife 
what real love looks like. To love her and to pursue her in her mess. Because she wronged me. She doesn't deserve this. Right? That's clear. She does not deserve me pursuing her in this. And that is precisely the point. And that is exactly the way that our God has pursued us when we didn't deserve it. When we weren't looking for him, he was looking for us. And that is the way that he met me when I wasn't even looking for him, unaware of my sin. He opened my eyes in Hosea 2, whispering Hosea 2 before all of these events, crazy events happened in my life, being forced into the corner. And he met me and he cared for me there. So to recap, we must come to know the depths of our depravity in order to see the depths of the love of God. If we really want to forgive, we have to see the way that we're forgiven, how much we've been forgiven. I mean, as, as, as Christians, like this is really where rubber meets the road. Do we really love God? And do we love people enough to pursue them in their mess? This is where rubber meets the road for me. I'm like, do I really, am I, am I going to choose to love in this moment? So to close, if you haven't been pursuing God the way you should, I don't mean this in a condemning way when I say that. If you're like me, <laughs> if you're like me, and you've found yourself in a place where you really haven't loved God, I just want to remind you that he's been pursuing you in the same way that he pursued me. I heard, I heard, I heard a saying once, when you're not doing well with God, he's doing well with you. I just want to remind you, God is pursuing you in your mess. No matter where any of you are with God, no, no matter the spectrum, God cares for us so much to look at our sin, in, like in Hosea 2, to look at the mess and say, therefore, I'm going to pursue you. And I'm going to reject my title as master, and you're going to call me husband, someone who is with you, someone who serves you, someone who, who pursues you. And to those of you who have been wronged and forgiveness is really hard, that's super reasonable. Forgiveness is, is hard. You've been wronged and they don't deserve forgiveness. I just want to say it is a valiant thing to forgive and to love someone who doesn't deserve it. It's a valiant thing. And, and I will be praying for you that the Lord would just remind us all of us, of the great way that he's forgiven us so that we can see the model. Oh, you forgave me this way. I'm going to go out and forgive this way too. I love the therefores of God to step in when, when we deserve something different, to say, therefore, I'm going to pursue you. And that's what he did for me. A week, only a couple weeks, like two weeks before my life fell apart. He gave me this word, and it was so impactful, not only then, but in, the, in, in the, just the coming uh, months and today. And so to close, just want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you for being with me. Um, I just pray that we would just come to know the depths of the love of God, that we would see our sin, not dwell there, not stay there, not be focused on our sin but to see the offense and the severity of it that we might ultimately 
come to see God's great love and pursuit of us, his therefores in life, in our mess. He says, therefore, and he comes and he just changes the world. So I just encourage you guys, keep going, stay encouraged. I'll see you in the next one. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode today of Lessons in the Corner from Hope Reclaimed Podcast with Austin Collins. I am Ellie Hope Collins. And if this episode or if or if these episodes are resonating with you, would you please share them on social media? You you don't know what other people are going through and maybe they need to hear this today. So share it on social media and and be sure you are also subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss another episode. Remember, there is healing and there is a redemption in Jesus. And there's always hope. Hope is my middle name. We'll see you next week.